Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Call Talk for Wednesday, March 3rd. Our topic today is developing agents who are more customer-centric. During the call, we invite you to ask questions via email at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com, chat on calltalk.tv if you're logged in, or call in to ask questions to the host and interact with the show. The number to call in is 347-857-3117. Everyone who asks a question via email or phone on the show will receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at its Best, and one person will be chosen at random to win an in-depth reality check benchmarking report valued at $1,500. And now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you very much, Sean, and welcome everyone to this episode of Call Talk. Our listeners chose today's topic with, with a very high level of interest, and I think we have a very exciting half hour ahead. And before I introduce my guest, I'd just like to offer a preliminary thought, which is the way to make our agents more customer-centric is to make the call center more agent-centric. Uh, let's always keep in mind that they're our fr- front line in contact with the customers. So anyway, to help us sort through this really important issue, I'm delighted to introduce my guest and friend today, Dr. Roseanne Dalzilio. Uh, Roseanne, uh, president of Human Technologies Global, is an industrial psychologist, consultant, master trainer, a best-selling author, and a customer service expert. She specializes in employee motivation, their needs, instructional design, and live customer service skills training. And she's been a real champion of uh, the human side of call center management, uh, whereas we've oftentimes been on the more statistical side, she's been on the human side, and has authored uh, some best-selling books, including Wake Up Your Call Center and Customer Service and Human Experience. Her website is uh, www.humantechtips.com, and you can also download her latest work uh, as well. So, Roseanne, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Okay, well, great. Well, Roseanne, I think uh, probably the the thing we should start with is uh, the definition. What is it that we mean when we say customer-centric? Okay, I think if you ask 10 people, you'd probably come up with 10 different definitions. But to set a foundation for what we're going to be talking about today, very simply, although it isn't simple, customer-centric means to focus on the customer. And that's where we need to remember to put the focus. Because when we look at companies and we look at their assets, People think about, well, we've got furniture and we've got fixtures and we've got hardware and software and we've got a telephone system, but the real asset and the only thing you have control over is the relationship with the customer. So that's why we want to focus on the customer. Mm, yeah, and you know, when I think about that, it's, it's really focus on the customer. It doesn't just start with the interaction on the telephone. One of the things that I've found is uh, in centers that are very customer-centric, it starts at the top and sort of starts at the beginning, doesn't it? Uh, A mission statement uh, that I remember seeing was something like, uh, I'm paraphrasing now, but make every call a courteous, complete, loyalty-building interaction that helps create members for life. This was for a membership organization. And, um, you know, this was plastered up all over the – uh, the call center and uh, was something that they learned from the first day of training. And uh, there were also visuals up around the call center with um, one of them that I do recall very well was treat every call as if it were the first, 
last and most important of the day. So uh, sort of uh, having high level, a mission statement level, uh, management example also being very important in this, I think is, is really important. Um, where do you think it all begins, uh, Roseanne? Well, I agree with you that it's a top-down uh, construct, but I think to create the right experience, to really be customer-centric, companies need to really take a look at things like their mission statement. And the one I like, and I'm just making it up, but the one I like is an organizational approach that starts at the top, and it's to meet or exceed customer expectations. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we want to keep the focus on the And I like what you said about the but one of the things I like about that, I'd like to say, treat every call the only call Imagine what you like, what you were doing to talk to somebody, as if that was all you had to talk about. It would be very different than if you had to meet your metrics for X amount of calls. Okay, let's see, Roseanne, uh, we're ha you're breaking up a little bit on us. Uh, Sean has confirmed that uh, he's having problems hearing you too. Would you be able to uh, call in again? I can call it again. I just adjusted some of my. Does any okay. of this help? Does any of this? Help? I'm adjusting uh, the microphone. It's still kind of breaking up. But Sean, what do you think? Uh, yeah, you might want to call in again. I yeah. Guess. You think, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll call. Well, I think it's gone now. Whatever that noise was, I was hearing it too. Is this better? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Very okay. good. Uh, sometimes the technology, you know, we always say in call centers it's people, process, and technology, and sometimes the technology gives us a little bit of a problem. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so I want to I I make sure that, that you heard. Did you hear what I said? I think you heard what I said about your visual. Treat mm -hmm. every call were the only call. If I knew I only had to talk to one person a day or answer one email a day, I would have a very different uh, attitude than if I knew I needed to get off that line and another call was coming in or there were 10 calls in queue. Mm -hmm. So I would like to treat each, when you're talking to one customer, that's all that's there anyway. Right, right. Okay, and, and I think that's really important and, and including that in training is, is just so key. I, I'm also just very aware that our audience today is really managers and the things that I like to make sure they have as takeaways from the sessions or what can they do and what are they responsible for. So as you were saying, Roseanne, I think anybody here who doesn't have a mission statement uh, that really does underline the importance of customer centricity ought to take a look at that mission statement again, perhaps rework it for their call center. It doesn't necessarily have to be for the whole enterprise, but for their call center and uh, really make sure that it's the uh, yardstick against which they make major decisions. Um, and, and I've seen that happen. You probably have too, Roseanne, where, uh, in fact, I was in a call center just a month ago that uh, previously did not have mission statement. Uh, they went through one of the College of Call Center Excellence uh, courses and came up with a fabulous mission statement, which is now uh, being taken to heart by all the people there, and which really indicates that there's a high level uh, sort of dedication to this idea of customer centricity. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that the caveat is that to create the right experience, companies have to make a fundamental shift. We're going to have an argument here from managing the numbers to managing the relationships. Yeah. So, customer uh, upper management needs to support the customer service initiatives. It doesn't just begin in the call center. Mm-hmm. It has to start in every department has to have a buy-in so that everyone is in alignment on what is our mission statement, not just the call center's mission statement. What is our overall customer centricity philosophy here at the XYZ company? Mm-hmm. But again, the feet and the mouth don't always go in the same direction. So the call center is the front lines that has the pulse of the customer that needs to reinforce and send it back up if it's not coming down right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know that in the past you and I have sometimes had some lively uh, conversations and slight disagreements over what's more important, the numbers of the people. And, of course, what you, uh, we, we end up saying they're both important. And uh, I think that one of the things that, that I've seen, too, in call centers and that is under control of the management is uh, what are the tools that you put in the hands of agents so that they can be customer-centric? Uh, in other words, um, we were responsible for training them, yes. We are responsible for recruiting them, and maybe we could talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But uh, we also have to make sure that when they're sitting there on the front line, that they have the tools so they can make customers happy and they can satisfy them. And sometimes uh, we need to take a hard look at our uh, knowledge management, our knowledge base, uh, the um, applications that they have to struggle with, and make some decisions about changes and about how it is that they can give a more customer-centric experience by making sure that they can pull in the resources of the organization of the enterprise to actually deliver that customer-centric experience. Uh, What are your thoughts on that, Roseanne? Okay, I agree to a point with what you're saying. I think there needs to be balance. I think that the human is what gets lost in the process. I have all the right equipment. I have all the right rules and regulations. I've memorized the script. I know what's expected of me. But where's my wiggle room to really take care of Bruce, who's calling in and really needs something? And Mm. and it's interesting. I don't believe in coincidences. And I happen to be reading a book right now. I'm only at the beginning of it. And it's it's called the Clue Train Manifesto. I don't know if you ever heard about it. But it's all about the Internet and the global conversation and the power of it as the Internet was coming into being. And um, something jumped out at me yesterday when I was, again, I'm at the beginning of it, but it said, learning to speak in a human voice is not some trick, nor will corporations convince us they are human with lip service about listening to customers. They will only sound human when they empower human beings to speak on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it just resonated for me. Um, we're not taught to be creative as children, except within certain parameters. And the same thing, I think, in the centers. I remember years ago, one of the airlines that I'll, I'll not say who it was, uh, they had empowered, another one of those words that needs definition, have empowered their agents to give away 
or give up to X amount of dollars to keep a customer happy. Mm. So they knew what their parameters were. Mm-hmm. However, if they gave away the top amount, mm-hmm. they were not reprimanded for it, but they were questioned. Now, mm-hmm. if I'm questioned because I gave you $50 credits because I felt that that would keep you as a loyal customer and I got called on the carpet for it, how many times am I going to keep doing that mm-hmm. before my job at stake? So I'm going to tuck in and I'm going to follow the rules instead of taking care of the customer. I believe there's a fine line there, which is what I write about all the time. The technology is necessary. It supports the people. It doesn't replace them. The humanness, the humanity side of it, especially in today's mass, non-human environment, is what Mm. makes the difference between one company and another. Mm-hmm. I mean, your product and your service has to be really good in order to stay competitive in today's economic environment. So right. the differentiator oh. is the service that you get through the center, through the email, through the web chat, whatever is your channels of communication, the mm-hmm. relationship with the customer, I believe, is the differentiator. Right. Okay. No, I think we can agree on that. And uh and, and that means really uh, having the capability to do the differentiation uh, and making sure that the agents know that this is a differentiator that's going to be good for the enterprise and for their job and for the customer and, uh, and, and making sure that senior management knows that you need to have the resources to do it. And, and as you said, not to sort of with one hand and take away with the other. In other words, say, okay, we're going to be customer-centric and we're going to give our agents uh, the leeway, but not really. <laughs> let, let me give you an example that I think is just fabulous. Um, do you Great. know the then, company Zappos? What's that? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Do you know the company Zappos? Yes. Okay. So I decided I wanted to buy a flip cam, and I Googled it, and Zappos came up. That was my first introduction to Zappos. I called up to order the flip can, and I wanted to know how soon I would get it because I was getting ready to go out of the country, and I wanted to take it with me. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to overnight it to you. Now, that surprised me because I didn't have to pay for it. I didn't even have to pay ground transportation. So I said, okay, that's great. Thank you very much. And, of course, it came within two days, and this was in September. In December, I got a handwritten note from the agent that I spoke with who said, I hope you're having a great holiday season and getting great use out of your flip cam. Now, talk about delivering a wow experience that someone took it upon themselves because Zappos trains people. I don't know if you know this. Zappos trains people for, for, I think it's two full weeks and then offers them $2,000 to leave. And that's how they separate the wheat and the chaff in their company. And the people that stay become very loyal, and they do not do any, they they don't count their metrics. What they do is they do something called, I think it's called PEC, and I almost can't remember what it stands for, but it stands for Personal Emotional Connection with the Customer. Mm-hmm. So I've heard stories from Tony Say 
when he was presenting about a, a, a woman who bought a pair of shoes for her husband, and her husband died, and they allowed her, obviously, you can return 365 days, not just a 30-day return policy, right? So they, they, she returned the shoes, and whoever it was that took care of her sent mm-hmm. flowers to the funeral. Oh, my goodness. Can you get what the value of that is and how many people that woman is going to tell? Isn't that amazing? Yes. Oh, it is. That's a great story. There's one from L.L. Bean, too, in which uh, a loyal customer was up in Upper New England somewhere at a bed and breakfast, uh, no telephone uh, really in the room, or, uh, only a telephone in the room, but, uh, you know, no front desk to call to. Needed a call the next day because she was getting married the next day and she was afraid she would get up late. So she called the LL Bean Center and asked them to give her a call to wake her up at um, uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. And they said, sure, no problem, congratulations. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 kind of great stories above and beyond. But, Sean, I think you've got a question uh, from one of our listeners. Uh, yes. Um, let's see. Richard uh, asked, what about training? in these stressful economic times. Mm. Okay, so the... the question. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Roseanne? It, what comes to mind is Tom Peters, because Tom Peters is mostly associated with managing during bad economic times. And he wrote something recently, and I'm paraphrasing, where he said, um, mind, if, you, if you are mindlessly cutting... R&D or training or Salesforce travel in the face of a downturn, it is often counterproductive or downright stupid. Tough times are, in fact, golden opportunities to get the drop and the long-term drop at that on those who respond to bad news by panicking across the board, slash and burn tactics, and moves that demotivate and alienate the workforce at exactly the wrong moment. And what stands out for me is the mindless cutting of training and that these are golden times. Mm. I mean, training is more crucial now than ever before, yet the first thing to go during hard times are training budgets. And mm. I think it's a grave mistake. Companies are downsizing, cutting their key people, and then you operate with less people, and some of those people are unqualified or lack the skills. So it really it really upsets me when I hear about people's training budgets being cut because we're going to come out of this. This is a this is a process, not an event that's going on. And there's mm-hmm. so many people in wait and see mode, and I don't think that's a good idea. I think that you need to get creative with your budgets and remember what keeps you in business. And what keeps you in business are your customers. And how do you take exquisite care of your customers by taking exquisite care of your agents, give them the tools, the technology, and the human interaction necessary to create relationships with people such that they can move them to productive interactions? Because anybody calling in today isn't calling to say you're doing a great job. I just wanted to call and tell you that. Usually mm-hmm. there's a problem or an issue where they could have handled it self-service. Right, right. Yeah, and I think uh, the human touch that you're talking about for the agents, uh, a big chunk of that comes from the supervisors. And uh, as you said, unfortunately in bad times, 
call centers are oftentimes the first thing to get crunched on the budget line, you know, the, the chopping block for budgets. And uh, then, you know, within the call center, training, as you said, gets cut back. And uh, training is not just for the agents, but also for that first line, that all-important first line of management, which are your supervisors, because uh, the more that they are taught and are developed so that they are good mentors and coaches, uh, the more they will pass that along to the agents who will be more customer-centric. So, yeah, uh, this is, these are not the times to cut back on, on that kind of training. Uh, Sean, I think you've got another question. Uh, yes, uh, this next question uh, just uh, didn't enter his name, so it came from guest. Um, how do you get today's younger associates to relate and communicate to an older customer? Oh, good one. That's a good one. <laughs> my my knee jerk on that is it's all about the listening. It doesn't matter how old someone is. What matters is what are they saying and what are they saying behind the words. And that's what you need to address, whether it's acknowledging what you hear or don't hear. Oh, I hear how frustrated you are. Thank you so much for calling. My name is Roseanne, and I'm going to do my best to take care of you. Or, wow, you're really angry. Or whatever it is that's there, it, you know, it doesn't matter how old the caller is. It matters how good the listening is of the agent. And if you're listening to the customer, whether it's your peer, an internal customer, or an external customer, I like to use the um, acronym LARC, L-A-R-C. Listen to what's being said. Acknowledge what you heard. So if I hear you right, you're concerned about X, or you tried to do this on the website and it didn't work. Did I get that right? Ah, I was heard. One of the things that's very important to all of us, and it's ageless. And R is to respond accordingly, and C, L-A-R-C, is to close. Is there anything else I can do for you today? And thank you again for calling in and really mean it, because if they didn't call in, they'd be out there telling everybody what a lousy job you're doing. Brilliant. So it's about training people to listen with sensitivity to what's behind the words. Mm -hmm. So you're going to either acknowledge or you're going to empathize or you're going to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Mm -hmm. Not make the company wrong, not make yourself wrong, not make them wrong, but see it from their point of view. Okay. No, I agree with you here. And what I'm, I'm thinking about is the fact that uh, what we're giving is sort of the inputs for managers who are on this call to be able to um, say the right thing to their younger agents. And uh, one of the things that we found out through our research, too, is that for the Gen X and millennial folks, uh, what you need to do in terms of training them is, first of all, understand that uh, they are the future. We have to learn how to communicate with them and not just throw up our hands and say, I can't get through to these people. It's, it's too easy to do. And one of the things is uh, the, from the golden rule, for the younger people, we tend to move toward the platinum rule, which isn't so much uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but rather do unto others as they want to have done unto them. 
So you, you have to understand the best ways to communicate with your younger people, your Gen X and your Millennials, uh, and, and figure out why, how they react best to this message that you're going to give them about customer centricity. And uh, two of the points that we found is that you have to give them the reasons why they uh, need to do something. Don't just tell them, but tell them the reasons why. Uh, another thing is if it's possible to tell them what's in it for them, that's good. So, for instance, if it's a sales setting and they'll be more successful in sales or upsells or simply in terms of their quality scores, let them know that they, by taking your advice, they will, in fact, be more successful. And that's the reason they should do it. And then uh, the last thing I'd say is uh, to use sample calls. In other words, with a call with an older person on the phone, uh, with the, sometimes the difficulties that that in, in includes, uh, give them an example of a bad call and a good call. And uh, give them, uh, I'm not saying the cartoon, but give them the, the actual example that they can relate to rather than just telling them about it. Okay, that, that's my that's thoughts, right? Yeah, that's a great point. That role-playing, we're not born communicators. We're born talkers. Communication is something that is taught to us in a training how to establish relationship with people, how do people imbibe information, what are the representational systems that they use, and then speak to them in their language so that you're on the same page in sync. And the only way that I know to have that really stick is experientially, through role-playing, through immersion, through me being the worst senior citizen that you've ever experienced and trying to stump you and see where you go with that and then put in corrections accordingly and then the supervisors and the managers mirror that back to the young people. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Uh, Sean's got another question for us. Uh, this question uh, came from Molly. <clears throat> How do you balance uh, average handle time goals with treating every call like it is the only call? This is something that our call center is currently experiencing. Hmm. Tough balancing act. Roseanne? Well, it's it goes back to the very beginning here. What are you committed to? Are you committed to the numbers or are you committed to the relationship with the customer? And somewhere in the middle, do you do you, do you need to know that number? Yes, you might need to know that number. I think you'd be surprised at how many companies don't measure that any longer because they found they were shooting themselves in the foot mm -hmm. and that the agents were going for good stats so they'd get good performance reviews at the expense of customer satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And what, what we want is to be customer-centric. To be customer-centric doesn't mean, uh-oh, I just noticed how long we're on the call, I need to close this because I'm outside of my parameters. Or do I stay with this call and take care of the customer who is a human, who is a person on the other end of the line, and go for the important stat of first call resolution so that we don't get repeat calls, so that we don't have to worry about somebody escalating a call because they didn't get what they wanted because I needed to get off the phone. And I want to segue for one moment because... When I said first call resolution, it reminded me that I read somewhere recently that 65% of all re repeat calls 
were the result of agent errors. Now, that's a bad statistic, but it's a good one because it's something you can do something about. Again, a training issue. If you don't have confidence when you're speaking, if you give the wrong answer, if you don't follow through telling someone you're going to call them back and not, then the customer is going to call back and it's an escalated call, which is an unnecessary callback because the agent didn't give them the confidence or the competence that was necessary to complete the call in that first call. Right. Which would right. extend your average handle time perhaps, but it will also bring down your uh, first call, uh, res bring up your first call resolution, which certainly impacts your ROI much more so than average handle time. Right. Sorry, I right. get passionate about this one. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a really good one. It's one that is, in fact, uh, Sean just indicated to me that we've had, in addition to Molly's question, Renee has uh, come through with a question, how do you balance customer-centric calls versus quantity of calls? It's difficult to va uh, balance volume versus value. So my guess is this is a hot issue with a lot of people out there. And uh, I would agree with uh, Roseanne up to a point, but, you know, we have to disagree on some things, right, Roseanne? And uh, I, I think that what we have is that at least in certain instances, through training, particularly through uh, demonstrative calls of the kind that we were talking about before, where you show the best way and the not-so-good way of doing it, and through talking to your agents like adults, you can actually, uh, you can actually not necessarily put things in perfect balance because the world's not a perfect place, but you can get things more into balance. A quick example. I went into uh, one of our call centers of excellence, really, really good one, but they had the longest talk times that you could, uh, could imagine. And they basically had uh, the uh, principle that you had uh, talked about, Roseanne, which is serve the client, make sure that they're happy, build the relationship. And so senior management, when we were talking about the results of their benchmarking, said, Bruce, we don't want to change that. And I said, no, I understand. My recommendation is the following. These folks are all seasoned experts. They are adults. Talk to them about this metric, whole, uh, average talk time. And let me ask you something. Are there some of your agents who are better at closing while keeping good relationships than others? And they said, oh, yeah. We've got some people who are really good. Everybody loves to talk to them, but they're just much better at closing. Okay, I said, get some of their calls. Use them for training and figure out how you can balance the, uh, the quality of the call and the relationship building nature of the call with uh, closure and getting on with the next call. And I said, if you talk to your agents like adults and say, this is something we need to work on, we're not going to change your marching orders, which are to give uh, good customer service and build relationships. We're asking you to be aware that this is a metric we need to work on. Let's do it. We're not going to write hurt on you, but we are going to be informing you of our progress over the next few months, it worked beautifully. So uh, did they get down to industry average? No. But they made significant progress, which was also quantifiable in terms of uh, the, the, uh, the, the lower cost. So I think there are ways of uh, approaching your people the right way with the right message uh, to, to actually uh, help balance those things. And uh, so anyway, I, I think that that is one of the best practices. Another possibility is um, the uh, using paper performance 
where they have to have certain quality scores uh, in order to get their uh, extra pay, but they will then be rewarded on, on uh, uh, the quantity of calls as well. And then making sure, however, that they are coached for success and not simply thrown out there and said, okay, you got to do both. <laughs> anyway, those are my thoughts. Um, Sean? All right, we have uh, one last question. We have time for one last question. Um, Tracy asked, um, earlier you mentioned talking about selection tools. Can that topic be addressed? Mm, yeah, okay. And, and that actually has to do with uh, screening people for success. And uh, what you need to do there is, first of all, have a screening tool. And we, we don't make vendor recommendations here, but there's a lot of good ones out there. Um, and try to find out the personality by, by tracing some people through and seeing which personality characteristics and other characteristics actually result in success over time. In other words, which one of your, what characteristics do your most successful people have at the beginning? You can then use those characteristics to help screen for success. And obviously you need to do that within the law, but in terms of personality characteristics, uh, these are things that can help you out and uh, you know, result in making sure that you get people who are naturally inclined to be more customer-centric. Uh, Roseanne, do you have anything to add to that before we end? I have one quick sentence. Hire for attitude, teach aptitude. Mm. Okay. Hire for attitude, teach aptitude. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, listen, uh, we've, we've come to the end of the half hour. In fact, we went over it a little bit because uh, there's been these questions. Roseanne, do you have uh, something else that you wanted to offer to our listeners? I do. I do. I want to just give you the 10 most powerful two-letter words in the universe. If it is to be... It is up to me, and that means each of you that's listening. I also want to tell you that on our website at www.human-technologies.com, we're offering a 10% discount on all products. All you have to do in the coupon is put in all caps CALL TALK, C-A-L-L-T-A-L-K, and we have a complimentary tips newsletter on how to kick customer service up a notch that you could sign up for at www.humantechtips.com. And thank you so much for having me. Roseanne, it has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for that special offer to our listeners, and I hope many of them take advantage of it. And uh, with that, uh, thank you to the listeners. Again, thank you to you, Roseanne, and back over to Sean. Okay. Uh, I, I want to also thank uh, Roseanne for her great insights in today's show and all the participants for all their questions. It was a really great show, and we went over a little bit uh, just because of all the great questions. Uh, don't forget, up you can you can sign up for our reality check um, uh, to get better insight into how your peers compare in your industry. Our winner today of the in-depth reality check is Molly. Molly, if you could send an email to calltalk at benchmarkportal.com, we will get you your in-depth reality check. The topic for the next show is first call resolution uh, revisited. And the date for that show is March 17th. Until then, have a great day, and thank you again for listening.
Hello? Hello? Hello?